Hey, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Jack Napier. He's a personal trainer, narrator, and podcaster who will be dropping some interesting knowledge about Dutch politics and sprinkling in some controversial takes on fitness and intersexual dynamics here and there. But before we start, Jack, how's your day going? My day is fine. My day is fine. It's a bit rainy outside. I'm on the recovering end of a uh, of a bad flu, but I'm still kicking it. Let's uh, just keep going forward. Yep. Uh, regardless of like what's happening, that's been my mindset as well. You always have to keep moving despite like... Also today, where I'm at, it's also quite rainy and murky, but got to keep on moving. So yeah, one of the more interesting things I've noticed about your like Twitter profile, you obviously talk a lot about fitness and relationships, but what caught my attention about it is like some of your occasional musings about the politics in like the Netherlands and Holland has always fascinated me from a historical standpoint. It's commonly viewed as like one of the countries that kickstarted modern day capitalism, if you will. It's generally viewed as like a paragon of good governance, cosmopolitanism, like a so-called like open society, if you will. However, like the Dutch farmer protests of last year kind of sullied that image. Could you tell my audience like briefly what started those protests? Okay, so this is not going to be a very popular opinion, but what I see a lot of on Twitter and on the political right online sphere is that government just out of nowhere decided, hey, you know what? We're going to crack down on them farmers because we don't like them folk. That did not happen. That is not how it happened. So here's a little bit of backstory. Before the European Union even got formed, you had the EEG, which was kind of like the predecessor of the European Union, of uh, Belgium, uh, the Netherlands, a little bit of Germany, a little bit of Luxembourg. There are just negotiations here and there. But then in the 90s, they kind of discovered like, hey, wait a minute. If we subsidize the ever-loving crap out of agriculture, we can make a lot of money. So what they did was indeed subsidize agriculture. A lot of farmers got to build super stables, as they called them back then, just to drive up production, just to drive it all up. Like more and more, more export of farming, like crops, things like that, name it. And now, all of a sudden, through the years, more uh, the European Union got founded, more countries started to join, more places to like grab these crops away from. Of course, government did not think of the long-term prospect of, hey, maybe we're producing too much. So that's what's happening now. They're figuring out like, oh, all that subsidizing we did, yeah, that kind of grew out of hand, and there's not much use for it anymore. There's still use for some of it, but not as much as there used to be. And instead of, of course, government being honest about it, like, hey, that thing we did in the 90s, yeah, that, that kind of... 
we kind of blew that out of proportions and we're kind of regretting our decisions that we made. No, 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 no. Instead of that, they're saying, hey, you know what? All that stuff we subsidized, yeah, uh, we're going to either take it from you or we're going to buy you out. And if you don't want to be bought out, we're going to buy you out with force. Oh, and we're going to do it under the guise of global warming. Of course. Yeah, it all has to do with climate. You, you, you got to understand. It's nothing to do with our horrible choices. No, no, no. It's all because of climate change. So when they brought those plans forward or when they start pushing it forward, most of the Dutch farmers were like, no. Like, you gave us all this in the 90s. We had to expand, expand, expand. And now you're figuring out that all of that expanding wasn't needed and now you're going to take everything away from us. That's not going to happen. So the farmers are retaliating. Government doesn't know what to do. We just had our, uh, the best way to compare it is our like Senate election, our uh, midterm election is the best way to describe it for the American audiences, the uh, audiences overseas. We don't actually have a Senate, but it's the best comparable. And the farmer party, sort of say, won that by a landslide. Now, the political right is all up in arms in that, like I saw overseas, where it's like, oh, yeah, the, the Dutch farmers are taking back their land. It's like, no, not really, because the farmers party in the Netherlands is mostly just an establishment party with a little bit of understanding for the farmers. Mm. So... Not much is changing other than, hey, by the way, those um, environmental plans we had planned for 2030, yeah, we just want them done by 2035. So that's kind of the only thing that's changing because everything else, they are completely in line with the other agenda that's going on. What's this farmer party called? And is it like a single issue party? Okay, so in Dutch, they're called the Boer Beweging, which roughly translates to the farmer civilian movement. And they're not a one issue party, which it's kind of like a shame because of the name. A lot of people think it is a single issue party, they're not. But when you look at their party plan, the rest is just as socialist as the rest. It's like, hey, free college for all and better health care for all and better pensions for all. And oh, by the way, we need free menstrual products for girls and women. Oh, and by the way, we signed the LGBTQ Rainbow Accord because we believe in inclusivity. <laughs> so I don't I don't know what that political right on Twitter is all about. Like the Dutch are taking back their lands. No, we're not. We're absolutely not. Read. Read a pamphlet for God's sakes. This is what I dislike about the Americans where it's like they they see one thing, oh they're they're on the right. They're they're one of us. It's like no. No, there really aren't. Like, just because of that single issue doesn't mean they're on the right. It's like, no. Yeah, I have seen a huge tendency among the extremely online right to project, like, the populist politics that's happening, like, on the U.S. to other countries, uh, namely in Europe. And oftentimes there's not even, like, a one-to-one -one analogy or they're not even very comparable at all, actually. 
we don't have a right. The Dutch don't have a right. In all honesty, uh, like Chetty Baudet is like being presented as like the old school, right? No, he isn't. He He's for free education and shit like that as well. It's like, no, the right has always been smaller government, more personal responsibility and no goddamn handouts. Yet here they are like advocating for handouts. So so I'm curious, uh, what's your opinion of uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Geert Wilders. Okay, so he's been at it for 20 years and he keeps saying the same damn thing where it's like, we need less immigration. It's like, yeah, we do. What else? Well, fortunately, he is one of the few who actually addresses like economics where it's like, hey, by the way, these governmental spending habits, we might want to tone that down a little. And he is one of the few who actually mentioned it. But then he comes with these, these horrible statements of, oh, he made such a stupid statement one day where he wanted to ban the Quran and stuff like that because it was too violent. And I'm like, oh, mate, just don't, just don't. He, he started this whole war on the Islam thing where I'm kind of like, mate, don't, because then nobody's going to take you seriously. But he's been doing it for 20 years, 20 odd years or something like that. And he's good as opposition, but that's about it. That, that's just about it. Like all his other policies are okay-ish, but he's more socialist on a national level, if you yeah. know what I mean. Like he's like, close the borders and stop third world country aid stuff like that we're gonna like lower the taxes a bit and every money we are gonna spend we're gonna spend within the borders which is not a bad idea even stefan molyneux used to say this like yes you can have a welfare state no you can't have mass immigration with that which is what the netherlands is doing right now which isn't turning out that well surprise but he also has this like very hardcore stance on drugs. Now, don't get me wrong. I am not a fan of drugs. I've gone on record saying before that I truly think weed is for losers. Sue me. I'm sorry. Most of the weed smokers I met in my youth were just like the typical stoner uh, stereotype. So I don't have an affinity with it. However, he's like, yeah, we should crack down harder on drug use. And I'm like, no, let people be free in using it kind of thing so somewhere in there he's authoritarian as well where he wants to like really criminalize drugs more so that's not really right either is it in my humble opinion where right used to mean smaller government smaller government intervention you're here this guy is being this so-called like poster boy for the right advocating for, guess what, more government intervention. It's like, yeah, no. So some points I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm happy he's in the opposition. Other points I'm kind of like, yeah. just. So yeah, would it be accurate to kind of compare him to like uh, Marine Le Pen in France in a way? I don't know because I don't know enough about Marie Le Pen. I know Marie Le Pen is uh, wanting to crack down hard on immigration as well, but that is the only thing I know about her. Yeah. Yeah, I've I have noticed like a tendency in a uh, uh, continental because I I have like studied like populism for a bit um among these continental right wing populist parties in Europe 
there's a common theme. They all want to crack down on mass migration, like the so-called great replacement, which is like a pretty valid thing because this is like a globalist like type of project that is like designed to like erase these historic nations. But on economics, they're pretty heterodox, um, especially when you compare it to like the Anglosphere. They're, um, I'd say even like the U.S. is pretty unique too because U.S. is still more limited government compared to even like the U.K., Australia. But when you look at Europe, these right-wing parties, they're a bit more paternalistic and pragmatic when it comes to the welfare state. Some may even actually like try to use it to like, for like trad con ends. Like you look at like Hungary, the like, subsizes, like people having kids and all that, but is that like pretty big in the Netherlands as well among right-wing parties? Yes, they do advocate like for strong family ties and things like that. And let me just go on record saying that I am not a reflection of like your average Dutch political person, but I find those people who advocate for like the strong families and uh, strong connections and blah, blah, blah. I'm kind of like, yeah, you're not addressing the underlying issue and you're like appealing to a bygone era. It's like the trad cons on Twitter. Like, oh, the 50s were great kind of thing. Yeah, but we're not going back to the 50s. We have dating apps. We have birth control. You have uh, governmental subsidies for fucking daycare. Yeah. I I wonder what would happen if a certain political party would get in power and all of a sudden the next day they're like, hey, by the way, the subsidies for daycare, yeah, we're going to remove those because you know what? Go find a dad for the kid. It's like, it's, it's these impossible marketing phrases that I keep hearing that are just not feasible anymore. Mm-hmm. So it is happening in the in the Netherlands, like maybe one or two parties, but it's more an anti-woke thing than it is a pro-family thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, oh, definitely. What is the current government of the Netherlands like? Because the Netherlands is generally viewed as like one of like the nations of like uh, the Northern European nations that tends to be like, more fiscally conservative compared to the rest of the EU. Is this government more like a very leftist government or is it a a more of a centrist, like technocratic style type of regime? That's a good question. Like compared to like American uh, libertarianism, we are like full-blown communist compared to you, like for you guys. I've talked to my co-host Rob of Red Evening and he's like, well, that smells like fucking communism. And um, the thing is, though, the Netherlands is one of the best countries to live in, in all honesty. Like, a lot Mm -hmm. is taken care of. If you want to get homeless, become homeless in the Netherlands, you really, really have to mess things up. However, year by year, it's getting less and less attractive to become an entrepreneur. Because, like, tax-wise, you get certain discounts and blah, blah, blah. But the discounts are getting lower and lower by the year. The higher and higher your, let's say, total amount of assets, like, every year, they increase taxes at a certain point with that. So, slowly but surely, it is getting less 
and less attractive to be a high-earning individual in the Netherlands who works for himself. However, the current ruling party, the VVD, has been ruling for maybe 14 years, maybe a bit longer even, and they put in a lot And I mean a lot of tax hoops, like legal tax hoops and stuff like that. And that's kind of why you see a lot of companies still being registered in the Netherlands. But it is showing that more and more companies are like registering in other countries. So I would say it's socialistic, but not as hardcore as it could be. That's been my impression as well. One thing I have noticed, though, the Prime uh, Minister uh, Mark Ruta, he, this is something I've also picked up on in European politics among more moderate countries, if you will. And and this is, I'm I'm speaking in relative terms, that they'll be like maybe somewhat moderate on economic affairs, but when it comes to like foreign policy and like the dissemination of like woke propaganda. They're among like the most like vociferous exponents of political correctness. Like I, I see him like all uh, Ruta all the time talking smack about like Hungary's like anti-LGBT laws or hectoring Poland for like the similar things. And they seem to be also pretty enthusiastic about uh, co-signing the U.S.'s proxy war in Ukraine over Russia. And speaking of that, how active has the Netherlands been in providing like military aid to Ukraine in that conflict? Way too, way too active from what I've seen. It is pretty insane. So if I have to go by the news, there are like still people who are caught in limbo of bureaucracy for some subsidy crisis that has been going on, like children have been taking away, taken away from parents unrightfully, things like that. Uh, a lot of families can't pay the ba- gas bill. What I saw last time is that now one million people are living in poverty in the Netherlands, something like that. And uh, the food banks are getting busier and busier. Yet, our Minister of Finance, Sigrid or keg, as the Americans would say it, <laughs> just keeps pushing money towards Ukraine because that's the real enemy. It's like, hey, secret, the people are kind of starving here. Well, I don't care. It's like, yeah, like everything in the name of Europe, like you kind of have a local government, but at the end, it's just Brussels who decides. Like as soon as that farmer party won, We had a couple of Dutch former politicians who are in Brussels right now who were already running towards the media saying, hey, by the way, nice that you won, but hey, did you know that uh, Brussels has the NSA in all this? We'd love to invite you over for coffee and explain all this to you. It's like, see, it's not going to happen. Brussels Yeah, the house always wins. House always wins. Yeah. So... It's a lot of like pro message, like pro Ukraine and pro LGBTQ, and uh, the Netherlands has the tendency to want to want to be the best boy in class. Like we are the best performer in class. Look at us, like we're we're reducing carbon monoxide. We're we're inclusive to everybody, and of course we're having drag queen story hour. Which this past week I 
saw for the first time in the Netherlands. It's like, hey, there! It's finally here. It's happening in Rotterdam of all places. I would have, I would have guessed Amsterdam, but nope, Rotterdam. First one I saw. It's like, wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's all pro message, like it's pro globalist agenda. We support the current thing. Yeah, before we dive into some of more like the LGBT and then like intersexual dynamics, I've been noticing there has been a growing energy crisis in numerous European countries as a result of a combination of factors. One, like, yeah, like as you mentioned, really dumb, like anti-global warming policies that promotes inefficient green energies, that stuff. And then like the big cell phone of like these anti-Russia, like, energy sanctions and, like, oil embargoes. Um, Have energy prices been, like, going through the roof in the Netherlands, or are they still relatively tame compared to other countries? Okay, this is so weird, because energy prices and gas prices had been going through the roof this past winter. And, like, February, all of a sudden, it's like, hey, by the way, gas prices are going down. Mm. By the way, energy prices are going down, and I saw a couple of weeks ago... Hey, by the way, we're back at the same level as we were last year. So I found that kind of odd where we lived through the winter of fear. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, by the way, back to normal. It's like, what? This is so weird. Like Dutch news is very strange. Like one month, it's like we're all going to hell. And we are for the moment. And then all of a sudden, oh, by the way, back to normal. So I I tried to stop reading the news, but I do want to be a bit aware of what's kind of happening where I'm like, wait, was I right with this where it's really nothing but emotional appeals to like fear people into not turning that thermostat up and getting the sense it's kind of that because like energy prices have been going down again. Gas prices for the car. So uh, uh, car gas prices are back to two euros a liter. Okay, I see. So, yeah, now let's uh, transition to some of, like, the more, like, woke political correctness politics, because that is something that's, like, been, like, the animating force, I've argued, in the collective West over the past, like, this juncture, let's say, like, 50 to 70 years, like, especially, like, the 1960s, as a point of reference, especially in the U.S.'s case. You touched upon immigration. Is that issue still pretty big in the netherlands it's fucking huge so there's this place called Ter apple that has the um i don't know if it's the largest one but so far it's the most well-known immigration centers and the township of Ter apple gather their townsfolk to find a solution for the troublemaking the immigrants have caused. Now, instead of saying, hey, you know what, maybe we should take a few less immigrants, you know, (laughs) maybe we should do that. No, they offered every family 2,500 euros to fortify their homes. I am not shitting you. I have the article. They offered the inhabitants 2,500 euros for security cameras and Fences to protect their homes against violent immigrants. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding, unfortunately. That was their solution. People are afraid to let their daughters 
on the street. No pun intended, by the way. But <laughs> and yeah, I know it's a horrible thing because these people are actually afraid to let their daughters go outside during the day. And all government says is, "Hey, by the way, here's twenty five hundred bucks." So you can buy a fucking camera and a fence. Oh, by the way, your daughter's mental state? Oh, sorry. Yeah. By God, these people have so much blood on their hands. It's fucking insane. I'm sorry I get riled up on that. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's, it's repulsive. It's, no, it's something that people should get mad about. Absolutely. It's absolutely repulsive. It's like Rotherham. For your listeners, look up Rotherham. Oh. England knows, you know? It's like yeah, diversity. Yeah, the 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 many like the the costs of diversity. Yeah, that's like that's the price we pay for living in a diverse society. The way that the political class talks about this, like it's some like random like <laughs> weather element that's happening is is so insane because there's a clear legislative footprint that has caused this. Because if you look at like the U.S., you have like the 1965 like Immigration Act, which um, did like usher in like for the first time um, mass like third world migration. Does the Netherlands have like a similar type of like legislation? And when did that like get implemented that allowed? I don't know the exact law, but it's just European Union stuff where it's like, no, we have to, we have to welcome all these immigrants kind of thing. Uh, like, I, I don't know the exact legislation, but it's just, it's their yeah. policy. It's just let them in. They need help. And we, we need to provide the help. It's just very empathetic where no empathy is no... There's no empathy anymore, people. Like, it's gone. We're full. It's overflowing. Like, yes, you should help people, but we can't help others anymore. We need to help ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, screaming into the void. I'm literally screaming into the void because every election, it's the same damn thing. It's not going to change. This is now the way of the world. Politics is one of the few things where I'm actually blackpilled in, where it's like, no, Europe is not going back. This is the way forward. Adapt or go kind of thing. And like I, I have peace with the fact that I don't want to start a family so I can I can like be safe on my own. But I would not recommend if you have any traditional values, I would not recommend you start a family anywhere near this place. No honesty. Yeah. I've also, I have uh, noticed a uh, tendency now in the U.S. that many of like uh, Europe's like most entrepreneurially minded people, especially younger people, they're just moving to the U.S. I've, I've noticed that um, a lot more over the last decade or so. Like they just don't really see much of like a future in like no, Europe. I, I saw an article a while back where more and more gig workers are coming up and their motivation was, well, I'm not going to own a home anyway, so why should I work a full-time job? That was the sentiment under Zoomers. It's like, damn. (laughs) It's like, that's their sentiment now. Never going to own a home anyway, so why should I work full-time? It's like, Yeah. yeah. And even now today I was reading, so housing prices are going down, but the average house is still almost like half a million. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Not exactly half a million, but around there. It's like, what the hell? Yeah, back to um, immigration. Uh, when did that issue, You would you say, in your time, like observing Dutch politics become very controversial and start getting like political parties 
form to address the issue? That's a good one. Because I remember as a kid, even in the larger cities, that those weren't really that Dutch anymore. Like through the years, and especially the last 20 years, yeah, where, where it's getting more and more. Like Wilders started about 20 years ago, something like that. Pimford Town, don't know if you remember oh, him. Oh, yes, that guy is interesting. Yeah, that's like, um, that's a really rare species of like, kind of like liberal, like leftist opposition to uh, immigration. Yeah, he was one of the first who even stated like, uh, a Dutch born will never get used to a burqa was one of his phrases. And he was right. Yeah. Kind of thing. But I guess Dutch people don't have to get used to it anymore. I think we're getting more and more to the point where the burqa has to get used to the Dutch people. It's like, <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, there's one of those. Oh, wow. Look, a true Dutch inhabitant. It's like almost rare. No, it's not that bad, depending on where you are. Like real large cities, yes, it is getting becoming kind of a thing. But it's not to the point where you'd say Amsterdam is going to be like Istanbul Stan or whatever. Yeah, or like the Moss Eisley Cantina. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. It's not that bad, but it is getting like more and more less Dutchy and more like international kind of thing. Yeah. I've actually seen this like in the US too, where a lot of like uh, migrant groups, they obviously have like their ghettos, but they they like assimilate into this weird, lifeless, like consumeristic Borg, if you will. Like, do you see like the development of like the so-called like hojabi, if you will, of like these like Muslim women that they'll use like their identity in a really like selective fashion to like signal their diversity, but then like they just like embrace of like the typical Western degeneracy. It's a, it's like a really like grotesque development I've seen in like the U.S. and Canada. And yeah, in the Netherlands, where do the bulk of migrants come from? As in, where do they come from in the Netherlands or where do they come from? Like, like the country of origin. Oh, that country of origin. Oh, that's a good one. Pooh! I would say mostly Middle Eastern and or Moroccan. Okay, I see. That's the bulk of it. Yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah, because I've noticed, especially, like, uh, I used to follow kickboxing a lot, and a lot of, like, the Dutch fighters there tended to be, like, from that. They were, like, either, like, Turkish or, like, Moroccan. But, yeah, that is a pretty big trend that I've I've, I've picked up on, like, in countries like Germany, like, Sweden as well, where you have, like, and a... And you have Rico. God damn. I think that's pretty cool. Like, that's one of the few things where I'm like, yeah, that's pretty cool to be Dutch. We apparently have, like, very good kickboxers. It's like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's us. (laughs) Yeah, before we um, wrap things up, has the Netherlands been penetrated by a lot of, like, um, really, like, ultra-feminism, LGBT stuff, and, like, even, like, the trans stuff lately? Would you say it's, like, worse in the U.S.? Oh, it's way way worse in the U.S., but it's, it's getting here. My favorite city in the whole Netherlands is Zwolle. And at the train station, you used to have like this rainbow crossing. Mm -hmm. But now they had to remove that because it didn't abide by the the laws of traffic, whatever. And now they have like this rainbow colored 
bowls you can walk under and it's all inclusive and they wanted to remove he him from the passport or uh, allow the whole uh, they them on the passport and we have purple friday in schools like my tradcon friend he's got a boy he's turning four uh, once to send him to school and they went by like eight or nine schools and he asked them all like do you do this lgbtq agenda stuff and most of them said yes if not all most if not all said yes and it's just like even on workspaces the the, the flag must be waved which i think is an absolute abomination to christian culture because the rainbow used to be the sign that god would never flood the earth again well, my humble opinion, God, if you're listening, we're going to need one. <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah, I just think it's appalling that they took a Christian symbol like that and used that for their own debauchery. Which, look, I'm fine with debauchery. I'm pretty much a degen myself. I'll be very honest about that. But I'm not going to take Christian symbols and promote it with that. I just think it's, it's rude, in my humble opinion. But yeah, more and more, like you see these uh, shows uh, financed on the Dutch public television of kids being confronted with LGBTQ, like, oh, look, this is a transgender. This is a female transition to a male. And they have to stand nude in front of the kids. And these kids are like 10, 11, whatever. Oh, man. And yeah, it's been going around on Twitter as well. But it's like, yeah, there's a lot of that. There is a lot of that where, yeah, you, you swallow the rainbow. And the world we grew up in no longer exists. And I've said this on Twitter as well. When I was a kid, I was a huge fan of Star Wars and Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon. And if you were to told my 10-year-old self, like, hey, kid, when you're 32, you're still not going to have lightsabers. Pokemon still not have been invented. And dual discs... The best you got was a digital version on the internet of playing Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh, by the way, what you're going to have is chicks with dicks. <laughs> it's like, what? It's like, yeah, sorry, kid. No lightsabers for you, just chicks with dicks. Has there been any meaningful opposition to this rise? Or has like the right there just been like a more like PC light opposition to it? My humble opinion, it's more of a PC light. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying these people aren't allowed to do what they want to do. I I truly think that if you really want to do those things, go ahead and do them. What my biggest gripe with all of this is, is that it needs to be promoted. Where it's like, why do you need your lifestyle to be promoted that much? Yeah, by the state. (laughs) Yeah, by the state even. It's like, why, why... Or, well, then the real question becomes is, why does the state need to promote it that bad? Where it's like, really? Come on. Because that's where a lot of this opposition or vitriol comes from. Like I just mentioned, like, I hate nobody. I absolutely don't. I, like, every now and then on Twitter, I'm kind of like, I'm a bit more aggressive towards certain ideologies. But I truly believe that people should be able to believe and express what they believe, whatever they like. 
But my gripe comes from that it needs to be forced down everybody's throats. That's where I'm against all of this. And of course, we have political parties who will go like, we are anti-woke. It's like, yeah, but what does that even mean? You're anti-woke. Okay, what else? What are you going to do about it? We're going to promote families. Well, divorce has been on the rise for the last, what, 70 years? Something like that? How's that going for you? We're going to promote families. That's not going to work. Oh, we need to defend the children. Yeah, but how are you going to do that? Are you going to build different schools? Are you going to apply different curriculum? Or are you just going to be the other totalitarian side? Because that's what I'm seeing. It's like the same, but different. It's kind of like what Ryan Stone always says. It's like, they don't care about the boot on your neck. They care about whose boot it is. And that's the sense I'm getting. They're all big government. They're just a different government. Very similar story you see in many Western nations. But oh, well, there's a lot of politics that's out of our control. But it's good to always check in to see what insane stuff is going on just so that we can be a few steps ahead of like the BS that's thrown at us. But yeah, let's um wrap this bad boy up. I know that you've been quite busy cranking out content on YouTube, Jack. So just please promote your work and tell my listeners where they can keep up with your latest projects. So on YouTube, at Jack Napier Knows. You can follow me on Twitter, at Jack Napier Knows. And from there, you can find all the links. I have narrated a couple of books for... Uh, Carl from Black Label Logic. I have narrated for Troy Francis. I have narrated The Menu by Aaron Clary. I have my own personal training services. I only train five people at a time. Right now, I have one spot open. When you go to my Twitter, you will find a link to that in my uh, Twitter feed. Else, on my YouTube, you will find my uh, podcast flagship called Red Evening, which is hosted with me and Rob from robsays.net. And... It really is nothing more than two blokes going through the week with each other, swapping some notes, sharing experiences, and uh, sharing that with the world. And that's about it, actually. Fantastic stuff, man. Thank you again for coming on. And to my listeners, thank you for your generous attention. And with that, El Nino has spoken. <laughs>